The Guardian Books Podcast with Claire Armistead. This Guardian podcast is supported by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that gives you the power of beautiful design. So you can do more than create a website, you can set yourself apart. To start your free trial, visit squarespace.com guardian. As the season of literary log rolling draws to its close, we take a satirical look at five of the big books of the year with The Guardian's John Crace and try to digest what they reveal about the state we're in at the end of 2015. Today's digested read is Submission, the latest work from the French novelist provocateur Michel Houellebecq, in which he has once again cooked up an incendiary mixture of sex and religion, which is to say, radical Islam. Submission by Michel Houellebecq, digested read. I had a decent enough life, by which I mean a life in which I was well enough regarded as the most preeminent professor of futility at the University of Sorbonne. I had devoted my life to the study of Joris Karl Wiesmann, a little-known and sad 19th-century novelist whose sense of pointlessness almost matched my own. The pinnacle of my academic career had been to recognise that the only thing more worthless than reading a book was writing one. Most days I would go into the university to deliver a lecture no one, not even me, was interested in. In turn, I would look at the women students and see if there were any who might fuck me. In the early years, this activité had accorded me something that, in hindsight, might have been close to pleasure. But now that I was well into middle age, my cock didn't work terribly well, and fewer and fewer women thought there was any advantage to be gained from sleeping with a professor whose career was going nowhere. After the elections of 2017, I noticed a few changes at the university. There were more Muslims on the campus and a growing tension between them and the National Front. But, as I was mostly preoccupied by the state of my cock, which had now become so decrepit that even a semi-election was cause for a national celebration, it was hard to care that much. Especially as, by now, I was even less interested in Wiesmann than even my most disaffected student. My life continued its slow and inevitable decline towards nihilism over the next five years, interrupted only by occasional sexual dalliances with a Jewish student called Miriam. Quite why she chose to bestow her favours, I hesitated to call them a fiction, on me was not entirely clear, as I was now a raddled old misanthropist. But beggars can't be choosers. What I can remember is our last fuck, shortly before she decided to go to Israel, just after the first elections of 2022. I sodomized her gently, before coming on her tits. Or... Perhaps it was the other way round. My memory wasn't quite what it had been. 
A more engaged person might have been surprised to find that the university had been closed shortly after the elections. An old colleague, I'd never had anyone I would grace with the title of friend, named Tanur, tried to explain how the Muslim Brotherhood had done a deal with the left and centrist parties to keep out the National Front and was now effectively running France. I suspected his political and historical analysis of the situation might have been quite accurate, if you were interested in that sort of thing. But as I wasn't, I wandered off to have a couple of Armagnac before taking the train to Cahors. The train was a bit smelly and very late, which was unusual. But once I had arrived, I didn't allow myself to dwell on these inconveniences. For a month or so, I stayed in the southwest of France, vaguely trying to figure out what Wismar would have done were he to have found himself in this situation. After some reflection, I decided he would have done precisely nothing. So I went back to Paris on a train that was even smellier and later than the one on which I'd arrived. Back home, I found a letter saying I'd been fired from my job as professeur, which was disappointing, though the pension of 3,400 euros per month was very generous. I then went for a walk and was distressed to see that every woman was wearing clothes that didn't allow me to fantasise about their tits and pussies. I could sense my cock dying a further death, so I quickly telephoned two escort agencies to find women who would enjoy being sodomised. I think they might have got more pleasure from the experience than me, though the bar was set very low. After doing nothing for quite some time, I received an invitation to update my work on Wisma. The money was good, and I couldn't think of a reason to say no. The following week, the university invited me to a drinks party, at which I was asked back to teach. I was vaguely disturbed there were no women lecturers, but, as there was no chance of me fucking one anyway... This wasn't going to make a great deal of difference to me personally. There's just one thing, said the head of département. You will have to convert to Islam. But it's no real hassle, and you can have as many wives as you like. I thought of the decrepitude of my Kirk, and could see this might have some advantages if I played my cards right. So, I accepted. The digested read digested. Emission. That was John Crace reading his own digested read of submission by Michel Welbeck. And I'm joined now in the studio by two Guardian journalists, both of whom have one foot on French soil. Our own Richard Lee, familiar to listeners of this podcast, and Nabila Shabir. Tell us, Richard, first, what do you make of this novel? Well, it's, it's more of an event than a book, really, isn't it? I mean, it's published on the, on the day of the, char- of the Charlie Hebdo attack, where Welbeck's friend, Bernard Maris, was 
was actually shot in that attack and died. Um, and he was on the cover of, of Charlie Hebdo that week with a cartoon of him saying he was going to convert to Islam in, in a few years. And he had to cancel his promotional tour after this rumour went flying around that he'd predicted the attacks in the book. And so he retreated, just, just as, as his character does. He, in, the, in the novel, he retreated to the country and had to cancel his promotional tour and is reported to be now under police protection. But, I mean, it's the, the actual book itself, I mean, doesn't seem very successful to me. Tell us what is in the book. We've heard a little bit um, of the fruitier content from John. <laughs> Nabila. So um, Welbeck writes in the, the it's, it's an academic, basically, who's waiting hesitantly, feeling slightly suicidal as France basically elects an Islamist president. And um, he's feeling quite grim and just exploring what that means and eventually seems to settle into this new, dark, dystopian future that France has ahead of it. And I think the book feels quite prescient reading it now, after what's happened in the French capital this year, the tragedies. He talks about gunshots on the streets and plastic cliche under fire, and the characters just exude a sense of calm, which is just amazing, really. There's death and dying in sort of this bleak future, and, and this academic's just sort of walking around Paris throughout the book, just, you know, living it. Thinking that actually there might be some virtue in being a Muslim, which is to do with the afterlife. Yes. But, as, but, uh, hmm. not, not really. He doesn't really. He's not very enthusiastic for his conversion. It's just convenient. And hmm. to be honest, he's not that interested in Islam. And Welbeck doesn't seem that interested in Islam either. It's just the most interesting thing about Islam from Francois, from the narrator's point of view, is that he'll get more than one wife. I mean, it's, it, he just kind of slides into it in what seems to me a very implausible way that he has French society sliding into this very moderate, uh, plausible Muslim Brotherhood Party takeover of, of the Republic. Now, you've both been sort of, do I detect a little bit of downness on him but they, he, ha- he has he has friends in high places he has champions not necessarily friends for example David Sexton who is a, a very well respected critic he's on the Evening Standard you know claimed it when he reviewed it in French as a great work of literature great intervention and it's translated by the editor of the Paris Review Lauren Stein Arguably the most interesting thing about the book is how Lauren Stein finds time to um, put together a translation like this, which arguably improves on Welbeck's rather workaday French prose. Workaday French prose, Richard uh, Lee. It's, it's, he's not a great prose stylist. That's not, I think, what people go to Welbeck for, is, is the beauty of his sentence, the construction of the thing word to word. And even for me, just at a larger scale, the novel doesn't hang together very well. He's not, you know, I mean, there are riots on the streets, as you say, and there's uh, demonstrations, there's a massive political transformation, but we don't see any of this. We hear reports of it from third parties we watch some of it on the television there's some implausible weather that the characters don't really change or evolve very much we're not really interested in anybody apart from Francois and his slightly sordid sex life all the choices make what's happening less present less real less vibrant Nabila you have just got off the Eurostar this very morning have you been talking about this with your friends in Paris yes I've put the word out Welbeck Welbeck what do you think Um, I got quite a lot of negative response back but I think that's because People do respect him for his previous works. I think Atomized is one book, one name which cropped up a lot, one of his former novels, which everyone says, you know, you really must read that and compare it to his last book. I think there's the sense that people feel a bit put off that he's chosen Islam, you know, as one of the topics in his latest book. It's probably not flavor of the month. At the same time, he seems to be a bit of a lovey, a public, you know, the sort of questionably right-wing intellectual of which there seem to be very many flying around France at the moment making television appearances and generally um, giving their opinion on everything and I think people see him as someone who's just part of you know encrusted in 
French literary society. And they do say his writing is very beautiful. I have to admit, I read the book in English. I couldn't sense that, but one colleague of mine did say that she felt quite serene after finishing the book. Does he have to have police protection? I mean, is he endangered because of these books? I think he, I mean, he had, as Richard was saying, he did have to go into exile because of the timing of the publication of this book. I have to say, I didn't feel very comfortable holding up the book and and reading it in public at the moment. Um, But I think he's, I think he's just walking around Paris still, like his characters and and chuffing on his cigarettes and just living and eating at nice cafes. I don't think, I don't think his life's under any threat. I think they accept him for his provocations if they are provocations. He also gets his excuses in very early because at the beginning of the novel he opens about how literature is a very special art form, an art form which puts you into contact with someone, with, with an author. If an author's really present in the book, it doesn't really matter whether they write well or badly or whatever. What really matters is the author's there. And if you love a book, it means that you love the author. So he's kind of almost daring you not to like him and his book. Is he a complete one-off or is he part of a community of writers who are doing this sort of thing? I can't think of anybody else who's writing like him, although there's been a series of books which have basically taken his premise that Western society, and France in particular, is basically fucked, and that there's nothing else that's coming, that there's no vibrancy left to the culture. So there's been a series of books which have basically been with the same message in, in France recently. It's sort of slightly reminiscent of Albert Camus in L'Etranger, <laughs> no, well, not. <laughs> I'm not sure of that. L'Etranger was very much more a personal problem, whereas this is taken to be, Francois is taken to epitomise all of us, which I think is a kind of ridiculous and implausible notion. Beyond France, to, to epitomise Europe, to epitomise Western society? I think so, though. I'm not sure that Welbeck has really sort of thought that through. I think he just thinks, here I sit, here I am, this is what I see, this is what we're all like. And Whereas that might have been interesting in 1998 when Atomized was first written, in the fervour of a World Cup winning year in France, to have this voice saying, actually, we're, we're all screwed. Now, again, with the same character doing the same thing, not really caring very much about it, sliding into the same sort of dreadful state, it seems much less interesting. So, Nabila, this won't be on your Christmas present list then? It's not going to be, I'm afraid. I mean, having spoken to friends and colleagues out in Paris and, and, you know, living elsewhere in France who said, you know, this guy is just dull. He represents dullness. I learned a new French word because of that, fadeur, apparently. Um, and they were saying that this emptiness that he writes about and which so symbolises who he is, is representative of so many people in France. And in the book, people converting to Islam so suddenly, you know, in, in a society which essentially has Republican values, just shows how fickle we all are. So maybe, maybe there are some points which resonate, but I wouldn't encourage people to run out and read it just simply because he's got the celebrity status in France and I don't think he needs much more really. Well, thank you to both of you. I think that's a, a resounding no from, <laughs> from the Guardian Books podcast. No, 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 no. Should you still want to buy submission, it is published by Heinemann in the UK. Non, Jeff, t'es pas tout seul. M'arrête tes grimaces. Soulève tes 100 kilos. Fais bouger ta carcasse. Je sais que t'as le cœur gros, mais il faut le This Guardian podcast is supported by Squarespace. If you want to build a website, you've got many options. But if you want to build it beautiful, there's only one. Squarespace gives you the power of world-class design so you can do more than create a website. You can set yourself apart. See why some of the world's most influential people, brands and businesses choose Squarespace. To start your free trial, head to squarespace.com guardian. The Guardian has always been a community of readers, journalists and contributors. 
And now our live events are bringing these people together. The Guardian events are The Guardian at its best, which is a two-way conversation involving the reader and having a real, genuine, thriving debate. Could be anything from food and culture, arts, to politics, to foreign affairs. To see what events are coming up and to check out the benefits of membership, go to members.theguardian.com. Also, subscribe to The Guardian Live podcast. You can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud and other reputable audio platforms. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.